Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. If you are enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to follow us using your favorite podcast software. So up to this point in the podcast, I have really made a point that I do not use retail full-time radio program, i.e. we have not played files that we derived from sources like Radio Spirits or Radio Archives. Files that I've used have been derived from other sources that you can pretty much find anywhere on the internet. But I had a, a conversation a couple weeks ago with the gentleman who runs Radio Archives, and he gave permission for us to use his high-quality programs in our archives. And this was very helpful when it came to file events, which uh, honestly, compared to the rest of the shows we run, just has really low quality. And so this will allow us to make the file events episodes sound so much better. So I'm really grateful to Radio Archives. And I hope we have a really good, long uh, partnership in bringing you good quality for not only file events, but for many projects that we have in the months and years ahead. They are a company that I have personally purchased from. I'm a longtime customer, and I'm really impressed by their output. The first thing I bought from them was their Let George Do It set. And it was so good, it was uncanny. It didn't sound like it was 60 years old. It sounded like it was being broadcast today. And I love their old-school pulp fiction books and also their audiobooks. They really knock it out of the park with the folks that they hire for that. Uh, Nick Santamaria, Michael McConaughey, really just uh, superb narrators. Now, as part of this arrangement, Radio Archives is offering you a chance to sample their products. If you send an email to detectives at radioarchives.com, that's detectives at radioarchives.com, they'll send you a link to download a free pulp ebook, a free audiobook, and a free high-quality old-time radio set. Now, it is time for this week's episode of Philo Vance. The original air date, April the 4th of 1950, and the title is The Mimic Murder Case. Thank you, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. And now it's off to the alley. <laughs> How's that, Mr. Payne? Mm-hmm. Anybody can do that. Let's hear something else. Well, look, Mr. Payne, I can imitate anybody. Anybody at all. You just say who you want, I can imitate him. I've been doing this kind of thing in nightclubs for years. Mm-hmm. How about that meek little fellow? Uh, what's his name? 
Oh, you mean the fellow talks something like this? Uh, look, mister, all I ask for is just a little peace and quiet. It's not the big noises that bother me. It's just the little trivial, annoying noises like the, the birds and the bees. How's that? Hmm. Danny, I want you to listen to something I have here on a record. Sure, Mr. Payne, if you want me to. Some guy I know made a speech on the radio tonight. I recorded it. Okay, let's hear it. I want to play part of it back to you. Now listen. Only this. As a private investigator, I have encountered many crimes and many criminals. My friend, Mr. Markham, the district attorney, has asked me to discuss several of both with you. First of all, I am certain that the most difficult of... You heard that voice, Danny? Sure, sure. Can you talk like that guy there? Look, just give me the record and a couple of hours' practice, and I'll be able to do him so good even his mother wouldn't know it wasn't him talking. Hmm. How much do you make in that nightclub, Danny? For me? You don't see anyone else here, do you? Well, I'm good for two fifty right now. Three hundred sometimes. Ah. Tell you what I'll do. What's that? I'll give you a thousand dollars to talk like that guy on the record. A grand? Just open my mouth? No, not exactly. You'll have to keep it closed about this for the rest of your life. Good morning, Alan. Good morning, Vance. Or should I call you Stephen Douglas or uh, Daniel Webster or Cicero? Well, that's a nice way to start off a day. <laughs> what have I in common with them? Don't tell me you didn't hear that speech you made at the dinner last night. You were great. Oh, really? My friend, Mr. Markham, the district attorney, has asked me to discuss crimes and criminals. The most difficult crime, in my opinion, is the simple crime, because in its lack of incidentals... All it... right, all right, Ellen. <laughs> I made a speech last night. Sounded to me like it lasted three... Three weeks. Oh, please. <laughs> Actually, it wasn't bad, though. Well, that's nice to know. Uh, anything in the mail? Any calls? No, nothing interesting, except that Mr. Markham called and said he'd drop in here on his way to court. He's got a big case going to trial today. Yes, I know. The State versus Albert Payne. That's the one. It's going to be quite a contest. Markham tells me he hasn't too much evidence. The wonder to me is why you don't get him what he needs. Oh. Nice tie, Vance. Oh, well, like it? Only thing I'd like better around your neck would be me. Mm. Or am I too forward? Well, I wouldn't say that exactly, but you're in absolutely no danger of bumping into that desk behind you. <laughs> Thank you, John Calhoun. Oh, oh. Good morning, both of you. Hi. Well, hello, Markham. Come in. Just dropped in so you could wish me luck in the case today, Vance. Well, glad you did. I hope you don't have too much difficulty getting a conviction against Payne. Oh, you're a cinch. Hey, too bad you two aren't on the jury. Well, for 50 bucks, I could be tempted. Helen. <laughs> all right, all right, but I'll tell you now, I'd be one of the best jurors money could buy. <laughs> Ellen, if you... Cease, I know. You know, a good secretary always anticipates the wishes of her employer. No doubt. I wish I could be in court today, Markham, but I'll show up tomorrow. You ought to be under a full head of steam by then. I certainly hope so. As I understand it, Payne has created quite a defense for himself while he's been out on bail, but we'll worry about that when we come to it. Mm, that's a good attitude. Say, I don't think you know the sequel to the Ivory murder case, do you? Well, the one we worked on last week. Yes. Is there a sequel? Well, not exactly a sequel, but that African native was deported this morning. Oh? <laughs> I certainly was going to make a beautiful mistake in that case if you hadn't interfered, Vance. You'd have found the real murderer eventually, Mark. Perhaps, perhaps, but when you told me I was on the wrong track, I stopped my activities immediately. Only believe me, I didn't know any reason other than your request. It all turned out well, didn't it? It most certainly did. Well, then. And I guess I'd better get going to court. Thanks for everything, Vance. Keep your fingers crossed, and I'll get a conviction against Albert Payne before the week is over. I will, Markham. I'm sure you'll see to it that the pain is removed from the public. 
Steve, look out. Hey, who are you pushing? I'll knock your brains out. Who are you pushing? Hold it, Steve. Holy mackerel, oh. what you almost did. What did I almost do? You almost walked under that there ladder. Well, so what? So what? Yeah. Steve, that's the worst thing you could do. What? Good thing Mr. Payne didn't know there was a ladder on the way. He never would have sent us. Never. Hey, the boss ain't superstitious, dope. He sent us to grab a guy. He wouldn't care if we had to walk under a black cat. <laughs> He wants that guy grabbed, and we're the guys that can do it. Except if he's wearing a black hat. You know you can't never grab a guy wearing a black hat. It's unlucky. If we take any more time getting to that guy we're after, it'll be unhealthy for us. You got your gun? Yeah, sure. All right, now keep it handy. Might have to bang this guy on the beak with it in case he wants to argue. Hey, uh, you know where to find this character, don't you? Sure, I got his address, uh... The Harris Apartments. Okay. And his name is written right here. Huh? Philo Vance. Stop right here, driver. Mr. Vance lives here. Yes, ma'am. Well, I think it was very nice of me to take you home, don't you, Vance? It was charming, romantic, and on the way to your apartment. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks, Ellen. I'll phone you as soon as I get cleaned up. I'll be waiting. Bye. Bye. Okay, you... What? You ain't going anywhere except with us. What? You're Philo Vance, ain't you? Yes, but I don't know you. You don't have to know nothing except this is a gun that's shoving you around. We got a car, Vance, and you're coming with us. Sorry, I have a previous engagement. Stevie, Stevie, let the guy alone. He's poison. I just saw a star fall down. That's bad luck, Steve. If you think that's bad luck, what's your opinion of this? We can take him, Jerry. He's only one guy. Yeah, but he fights like he was nine. Clip him with that gun of yours like I told him. Sorry, but I don't like my head. Oh. Oh, what a joker that character was. What a battle he put up, huh? Right, Jerry? Yeah, sure, Stevie. Well, come on, let's drag him to the car. Mr. Payne is sure going to be proud of us, huh? Right. Hey, you... You know, I just thought of something. What? That fallen star you saw. Maybe it is a sign of bad luck. <laughs> sure was unlucky for Vance. Order, order in this court. Proceed with your examination of the defendant, Mr. District Attorney. Thank you, Your Honor. Mr. Payne... Are you, or were you, the head of the Acme Development Corporation? Uh, no, I am not, and I never was. <laughs> the state will prove that the Acme Development Corporation was a dummy organization set up to swindle the public. Mm-hmm. We will also prove that although your name did not appear in the corporation papers, you were the actual head of the Acme Company. Objection, Your Honor. Sustained. I'll rephrase that statement. The state will oh, prove... Oh, excuse me, Mr. Markham. Your Honor, please, may I have a moment to talk to this court attendant? Granted. Thank you. What is it, Joe? I telephone call for you, Mr. Markham. Yes. Philo Vance says to tell you that it's important. Oh? Something to do with the trial now going on. He says it's urgent that you talk to him right away. Uh, thank you, Joe. Your Honor, please. Mr. District Attorney. Your Honor, please, with the court grant a five-minute recess, it's quite important. Order in the court. The court sees no objection. Step down from the witness stand, Mr. Payne, please. Five minutes recess. Thank you, Your Honor. Which telephone, Joe? Oh, just follow me, Mr. Markham. This way. Right, right. Yes, Vance sure sounded like he had something awfully important. After the trial was going on, I said yes. He said to get you to the phone. 
So I got you. Thanks again. I tried to reach Vance this morning at his office, but he hadn't shown up. His secretary told me he was supposed to call her last night, and he didn't. Vance must have been doing some work on this case. I wouldn't know about that. There's the phone, though. First book. No, thank you. Hello? Markham, I'm sorry I had to get you out of that courtroom, but it was imperative that I did. What's wrong, Vance? Where have you been? I'll explain that when I see you. All I can tell you is that you have the wrong man on trial. Payne is innocent. What? It's definite, Markham, and I can prove it. And what's more, so can he. I think we can get him on a more serious charge, though. Wait a minute. What I want you to do is ask for a dismissal of the charge against him. But I can't do that, Vance. If I do, he can't be tried again. For this crime, anyhow, regardless of what evidence you have. I know that, my friend, but please do as I say. I've never let you down, have I? No, but this is Please, some... Markham. It's for your good. Payne has evidence that can disprove everything you claim. Withdraw the charge against him. I'll explain everything when I see you. You always say that, and you always do, but... I this won't time... let you down, Markham. Will you do as I say? Yes. Yes, I'll do it, Vance. But if you don't do as you say, I can take my career and send it right back to law school where it started. <laughs> Thank you very much. And maybe you can recognize this movie character who says, There I was, standing on the corner. Minding my own business. <laughs> nice party, Mr. Payne. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Could be nicer. But a guy up to me. After all, this is a celebration because the DA was nice to me. He dropped the charges. Yeah, yeah, you made sure you were, though. You're smart, boss. Uh-huh. That kid doing the impersonations out on the floor helped. Yeah, how do you mean? Skip it. The only thing that... Mr. Payne. Hey, Jerry, where'd you get that eye? Mr. Mr. Chin. Murder. Mr. Payne, that guy I had tied up, that, that Vance guy. What about him? I, I was taking him out in the car to knock him off, like you said. His hands was tied, but I let him smoke a cigarette, and I guess he burned the ropes or something. Next thing I knew, he jumped me and knocked me cold and beat him. Stevie, I told you that fallen star. Remember, I told you it Shut was up. unlucky. Vance got away, huh? Yes, sir. Jerry, I'll take care of you later. Wait a minute. All right, everybody. Thanks for coming, but the party's over. I had a big day, and I've got to get to sleep. Well, Mr. Payne, thanks for everything. I guess I'll be going now. Wait a minute, Danny. You did a good job on those impersonations. I want to thank you. Gee, you did fine with the dough, Mr. Payne. (laughs) Not at all. Everybody's gone now, boss. The joint's cleaned out. Right, Steve? Sure is. All right, you two, grab this Danny guy. Hey, hey what's the idea? I didn't do nothing. What do you want with me? I'm sorry, Danny, but with Vance alive, I can't let you be. Vance? Who's he? He's the one man who'll know you impersonated his voice. Yeah, but... He'll the... get you to talk. No, no. I can't I... let that happen. Hey, oh, wait a minute, Mr. Still, Payne. Still. Wait a minute, I... Holy mackerel, Stevie, the boss is going to use a knife on this guy. Shut up. Just keep hold of him. Mr. Hold Payne, you got to pay, but I didn't... Oh, uh... Let him drop, boys. <sighs> you know something, Jerry? What? This guy was a great impersonator even when he kicked off. <laughs> he died just like Jimmy Keg. This is District Attorney Markham. The case I started to work on is over. Over because I withdrew charges against Albert Payne, a man I believe was guilty. I did so at the request of Philo Vance, 
a request made to me on the telephone while the trial was in progress. My concern is very great because I haven't been able to reach Vance since he phoned me in the courtroom. For this reason, I'm working late in my office hoping that I'll hear something that will... District Attorney Markham speaking. This is Ellen, Mr. Markham. Any word from Vance? No, Ellen, not since he called me at the courtroom. You've heard nothing? No, not a word, and I'm awfully worried. He never showed up at the office today. At least we know he was all right about 2 p.m. when he telephoned me. That's something. Are you sure it was Vance? Oh, I'm reasonably sure. I was sure at the time, but in view of what's been happening, right now I'm not so certain. <laughs> Are you shoving? Sure, I'm shoving. What do you think I'm doing? I'm shoving. Only it ain't easy to push this jalopy up a hill, you know. Just be happy you ain't in it. When it goes over that cliff, huh? See? See how happy I am? All right. There we are. That, that ought to do it, Steve. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. Anybody ever finds a wreck of this jalopy down there, they can also get a good look at what was once a pretty good mimic. <laughs> Danny Duncan. Now, Steve... (laughs) Look, I wonder how he liked being pushed up this hill. Now, look, stop talking like that about a dead guy, Steve. That's unlucky. Uh, You and you're unlucky. Everything's unlucky. All right. All right, come on, let's get this heap over the cliff now. All ready? Yes, sure. Here we go. (laughs) Push. There she goes. Let's hurry... Like they say in the books, <laughs> that's that. Yes. Yes, I have the details. A crash was heard, investigated, and you found a battered jalopy at the bottom of the cliff. In it was a man who had been knifed to death. It was Danny Duncan, a nightclub entertainer. That's it, D.A. We'll call you back if there's anything else. I'll do that. Thanks for calling. <coughs> Hello, Markham. Vance, am I glad to see you. Where have you been? What's happened? I've been knocked out, dragged out, and taken for a ride, Markham. And I'm here now. Yes, sit down, Vance, sit down. And very anxious to get to the bottom of all this. What was that call you made to me at the courtroom this afternoon? call I made? Certainly. You telephoned me to ask for a dismissal of charges against Albert Payne, and I did. Markham, I never called you. What? No. Don't tell me that. I recognized your voice. Vance, listen to me. You definitely... I definitely what? I know what's happened now. I just got a report of the murder of a nightclub entertainer, Danny Duncan. A very well-known mimic. Yes. That's it, then. It was Duncan who called me and pretended to be you. You were kidnapped to prevent your coming on the scene and spoiling Payne's plan to have me drop the case against him. Well, it certainly looks like we've been outsmarted, doesn't it? I could have sworn that was you on the telephone. And you've done similar things before, Vance. Called me and asked me to lay off something until you could give me conclusive evidence. I know. And apparently Payne knew that, too. But in order for his plan to be foolproof, Markham, he had to kill Danny Duncan. Well, the next time he goes to trial, I personally guarantee it will be for murder. Steve. Yeah. Look around quick. Is anybody following oh, us? Are you kidding? Of course not. Who'd be following us? I don't know. I, I, I looked around a couple of times, only I didn't see nobody, but I, I kind of 
feel like there's somebody following. Uh, stop being stupid. Well, I'm not being stupid. Now, wait a minute. Wait, just stop a minute. Oh. Now, listen. Hey, you hear that? Did you hear that, Steve? Well, so it's somebody else on the street. Yeah, but there ain't nobody on the street. Nobody but us. Hey, maybe it's that Danny Duncan come back. Steve. Yeah, get your hands off me. What's the matter with you? Nobody's there. Are you getting yellow or something? Yeah, but Steve. Oh, come on. Steve, come I'm on. afraid. I'm awful afraid. My dear Mr. Vance, everything you've said to me may be true, but you should be the first to admit that it might also be pure conjecture. I know, Payne. Perhaps you didn't hire the mimic Danny Duncan to imitate my voice after having a couple of your men kidnap me. Perhaps you didn't kill Danny Duncan so he could never tell what he knew. Mm-hmm. And perhaps I would have beaten the case the state had against me, even without the phone call you insist I had Duncan make. Vince, don't you see how hopeless this is, and how helpless you are to do anything about it? I don't often lose my temper, Payne. Really? But I'm making an exception in this case. You listen to me. Take your hands off my coat. I'm finding it hard to keep them off your throat. Why don't you now stop? Now listen. You had a couple of mugs beat me up. I don't like that. I don't like you. I said let go. I'm glad you did that. I'm going to return it. It won't help this case, but it will give me some satisfaction. You don't think I have anything on you, do you, Payne? Come on, get up and talk. That's right. I don't think you have a thing on me. I bet my life you don't. Don't look now, Payne. But that's exactly what you're betting. Steve. Steve. Hey, Steve. Hey, what's going on in here, Jerry? Steve, there's somebody in this house. I heard a window open a minute ago. I heard it, I tell you, Steve. It's, it's Danny Duncan. Like I said, he's come back. Will you shut up and go back to sleep? I can't. An hour ago, you heard footsteps. Danny Duncan is dead, you know that. Sure, I know it. That's why he's come back, Steve. Because he's dead and we we helped kill him. We, we were holding him when Mr. Payne stabbed him. Now, look, stupid. Danny Duncan is gone. But, Steve... Yeah, but I'm here. If you bother me again, I'm going to come in and work over you myself. Now, go to sleep. Steve, don't go. Stay here with me, Steve. Wake up, Jerry. Well, uh, Jerry, wake up. Who is it? Who's in the room? Don't scream, Jerry. Don't turn on that light. Don't do anything. Just listen to me. Who, who are you? What, what do you want? You know who I am. Oh, no. I'll never rest, Jerry. Never no. until you help me get revenge on the man who Look, killed me. Look, go away. Get out of here. Keep your voice down, Jerry. You don't want Steve to hear you. You know... You know about Steve? I know about everything. Oh, no, please. Jerry, I'll be with you the rest of your life unless you do as I say. I'm scared. What, what do you want? You know who killed me. No, I, Go I, to the police and tell them. No, I, do I it, don't... Jerry, or you'll never sleep another night. Please. Oh, you asked me to keep my fingers crossed, Markham. Now it's your turn. <laughs> it's hard driving the car that way, but I'll do it. <laughs> You haven't any further to drive, my friend. This is Payne's house. Oh. Come on in with me. Okay. If I'm right about everything up to here, this case should be over soon. Well, that's the best news I've had all day, except for one thing. 
Payne is an extortionist and steps into larceny very often. But I didn't have too much evidence against him, although he, of course, didn't know that. Anyhow, now I don't feel quite so badly. Good. I feel partially responsible. What? Inside the house, Vance. Those shots came from inside. Let's go. Try the door, Markham. It's open. This way. They came from this door here. Right. Come in, gentlemen. As what? long as, as I live, it wasn't very long. I, I guess... What's going on here, Payne? Pretty obvious, isn't it, Markham? This man broke in here with a gun. He's still holding it. Fired at me. I got my gun and shot him. What brings you here? And what's with your friend Vance? I think this is it for you, Payne. Mm-hmm. What makes you say that, Vance? Jerry came here to tell you he was going to the police because he believed it was the only way he could keep Danny Duncan's spirit away from him. Danny Duncan? Who's that? Oh, no. No, Danny. I did what you said. I, I told Mr. Payne I was going to the police. I wanted to warn him. Well, you really killed Jerry this time, didn't you, Payne? Couldn't Did I? let him finish what he was saying, could you? You know my story, Vance. He broke in here. I shot him in self-defense. It wasn't self-defense just now, Payne. You murdered him right in front of us. Your story won't stand up now. You won't stand up very long either, Markham. Oh, oh, wait, you I grabbed his arm and the plate with the gun, Markham. Get, you oh, Vance, oh, get away from me. There. That's better. Now, both of you stay right where you are. Don't take a step. Vance, don't. Why not? I'm coming to get you, Payne. Don't take another step, Vance. Don't do it. All right, I warned you. It only what holds the... six shots, you know, Payne. Now I'll take that. Good boy. Keep away, Margaret. This is me. Now, that does it. You'll find the third member of this trio, a fellow named Steve, at a house on Central Street. Okay. You have a real case against Payne now, Markham. He'll never beat this one. That is, if you don't telephone me during his trial. I'll never do that again, Markham. No more telephone calls. Anytime I ask you to do anything, it will be in person. Thanks. Perhaps you'll tell me how this Jerry individual came to be here at Payne's house, and what's more important, how you knew this case would be broken here. I'd tell you, but I don't dare. I promised Ellen she'd be the first to know. All right. You don't mind, do you? No, not really. Say, you hit that Payne pretty hard. He's still out. Yes, but he's breathing. Yeah. And I'm sure when you get him to trial, you'll take care of that little detail, won't you, Markham? <laughs> understand, Vance, is what made that Jerry character go after Payne. I knew he would, Ellen. I knew he was superstitious. I found it out when he and Steve jumped me the night you dropped me off. Oh. And later, while we were in the car in which he was supposed to kill me. So you worked on that superstition? Definitely. It's a powerful motivation, Ellen. A superstitious individual will go to almost any lengths to remove what he considers a hex. Yes, I know. I followed him along streets, making sure he could hear me, but keeping out of sight. Opened a window in his house... Even sneaked a public address system into his bedroom to plant the idea that I was Danny Duncan's ghost. Pretty good planting, I'd say, inasmuch as it sent him after Payne. That's what I did it for. He got to Payne's to warn him he was going to the police before Markham and I had a chance to get there. Payne thought he had to kill him. What I'd like to know is what made you such a brave man? How come you walked right up to Payne when he had a gun in his hand? A gun he had just used to kill Jerry. I had heard six shots, Ellen. The gun was a revolver. That only holds six shots. Well, you say you'd heard six shots. My friend, to use your favorite expression, didn't it ever occur to you that Jerry might have fired one or even two of those? Certainly it did. Only Jerry carried an automatic and the safety catch was still on. Uh -huh. I noticed that when it was in his hand as he was lying on the floor. So I really wasn't so brave, was I? Oh, all I can say is it's a good thing you can count, Vance. 
Otherwise, a bullet would have started right toward you. Well, let's not be concerned with anything starting, Ellen. Let's just remember that this is the end of the mimic murder case. Welcome back. Well, an interesting case. I do like the concept in that it uh, has a criminal playing on Markham's unquestioning deference to Vance. And it was a clever plot as far as it went. Of course, by killing the mimic, our criminal essentially gave the game away. It would have been better just to let Danny live and hope he didn't talk, or better yet, not to have hired a local mimic who was uh, famous as a nightclub performer. I also had to chuckle about Vance's claim about not being someone to lose his temper, given all of the fight scenes we've heard Vance be in. Now, in terms of the imitations, the first voice that the mimic was doing was an impersonation of Fred Allen, and then the meek uh, guy was Victor Moore. Moore is probably best remembered for the film It Happened on Fifth Avenue, where he played the iconic role of Aloysius T. McKeever a homeless guy who squatted in the mansion of wealthy people who had left town for the winter. Actually, listen to the Lux Radio Theater version of that. It was really fun. I, I think I want to see the movie. He also voiced Clarence in the radio version of It's a Wonderful Life for Lux Radio Theater. And he had this really unusual relationship with the Jimmy Durante show. Where he wasn't really announced as the co-star, but he spent like two years appearing in every episode. I guess after uh, Durante's previous partner was Victor Moore, they decided they needed some more... Uh, to play off of him, which of course brings us to the third voice, which was Jimmy Durante, the great Snozzola. Listener comments and feedback now. Angel uh, writes over on YouTube, follow what a magnificent mannequin. Besides him, Ned Flanders is a blush hell's angel. And besides D.A. Markham, Follow Vance looks like Einstein. Both are actually suited to today's world. 
While I'm far from a Simpsons aficionado, I think I can count the number of episodes I've seen on one hand, I sincerely doubt that Ned Flanders has the fighting prowess of Philo Vance, so I think that Philo Vance is definitely cooler than Ned Flanders. And that may be one of the greatest compliments I've ever paid Vance. Now it is time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And I want to go ahead and thank Doug. Doug has been one of our Patreon supporters since October 2016, currently supporting the program at the Detective Sergeant level of $7.14 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, Doug. And that will actually do it for today. I do encourage you to follow this podcast using your favorite podcast software. And also, please rate and review us wherever you download your podcast from, as it really does help the podcast out. We'll be back next Thursday with another episode of Philo Vance, but listen tomorrow for yours truly, Johnny Dollar, and the conclusion of the Amy Bradshaw matter, where you'll hear... Be seen, I doubt it. On my way over to the Criterion Theater, I thought about Pomeroy, a rugged customer, and I felt he was one more who wouldn't let anyone stand in the way of anything he wanted to do. After the show, I picked up Amy backstage and took her back to her apartment. She looked very tired and didn't say much. We said goodnight at the front entrance, and I started walking along the sidewalk. Then I spotted somebody in the shadows across the street again, watching. I could tell from his hat and coat he was the same one who'd been there the night before last. I kept on walking until I reached the corner, then circled halfway around the block to an alley and edged up on him from behind. He didn't see me until I dove at him. Well... Bill York. So, what are you doing here? So you haven't been near Amy for a long time, huh? I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.